listening to Dairy Voice, a podcast exclusively for the dairy industry. The roller coaster ride continues with milk prices, but in spite of the almost breathtaking highs we're seeing for class three milk futures, producers may have disappointing prices in their milk checks right now. I'm your host, Joel Hastings, and here to explain it all is Dr. Mark Stevenson, one of the most widely known and respected dairy economists in the country. He's the Director of Dairy Policy Analysis at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. He and a colleague just put out a detailed informational letter entitled, Making Sense of Your Milk Price in the Pandemic Economy. Welcome to Dairy Voice, Dr. Stevenson. Thank you, Joel. I'm, I'm happy to be meeting with you today. And boy, we sure have had a roller coaster of uh, uh, milk price and emotions over the last couple of months. That's for sure. And we acknowledge we have you at a bit of a disadvantage today with uh, about half an hour, but no possibility of PowerPoint slides. It's a, it's a little like stopping to ask someone for directions when you're driving, but telling the person not to point. <laughs> but, but we're counting on you to help us understand the current price environment. Well, thank you, Joel, and um, I'll see if I can't uh, do a good enough job of storytelling that you can envision my PowerPoints in your mind here while you're listening. And we can identify also in our um, surrounding information uh, how folks can access your paper and or even address some questions to you. We can take care of that at the end. Sure, that would be fine. Well, um, I guess I would get started by just going back a little bit in time here to talk about some of the events that have led up to where we are right now. And I think what's leading to uh, uh, what's going to be in a most unusual time in regulated pricing history. Uh, And I think, you know, this pandemic is anything but normal. I mean, it's almost the definition of abnormal for us, but it has really caused some problems for the dairy industry. Um, my colleague, uh, Andy Novakovich, who was the co-author of this paper, had kind of likened this time period that we've been in to, um, you know, just a wild car ride of an event. And you know, at one minute, you're in danger of, of driving in the ditch, and the next minute, you overcorrect, and you're almost in the ditch on the other side of the road. So um, we have certainly seen some pretty wild swings uh, over the last little bit. Uh, just to give you an example. And I'm going to use cheddar cheese as the example here, the CME spot prices. Most of the folks who do any kind of forecasting or looking ahead, you know, for the year, uh, have their focal point of, of the time period at the end of the previous year, like 2019, and the early part of 2020. We're trying to imagine what the rest of the year 2020 is going to look like. And during that time period, we'd had a very long expected and much needed recovery in milk prices. And most of us were forecasting that 2020 was going to be a continued price recovery year and that we might even see um, as much as $20 milk prices by the time we got to the end of 2020, just because we expected demand to continue to build and, and it to be a generally good time period for commerce. But that was before COVID showed up. Um, the cheese prices in the first two or three months of the year were kind of putting around $1.90 a pound at the CME. And uh, that 
is a, a price that corresponded to reasonable class three prices for producers. By the time we became convinced that this pandemic was a real thing, and we started to have some states that were beginning to impose their safer at home and uh, closing restaurants and schools and other institutional food sales, we saw a real destruction in demand. About half of our dairy products are sold for out-of-home eating. We have a pretty intensive use of dairy products in, in restaurants and food service, but um, not as intensive for home eating. So when we all got shut at home, uh, one of the first things we did was to run to the grocery store and <laughs> we began buying milk and fluid milk sales soared. We had stockouts across the country for those kind of products, but other plants, like a, just as a good example, barrel cheese plants just hit the wall because virtually all of their product is sold through food service. You know, those um, square pieces of cheese, the uh, single slices uh, are American processed cheese. They're made from barrel products. When you go and get a plate of nachos, maybe at the bar for snacking or something, uh, that is a plastic sort of cheese that's also made from barrel cheese. Those sales just went to zero overnight and those plants had to scramble to try to stop getting milk into them and move it over to other plants like fluid plants that all of a sudden had a surge in demand. So behind the scenes there was a tremendously big scramble. The collective wisdom of most of the U.S. said that we were probably going to be five to ten percent more milk produced than we could sell. Export sales had also been tanking because you know, big buyers like China had uh, their economies closed and some of those container ships were stuck in ports over there. So we just weren't getting product where it needed to go. We found that cooperatives were either uh, invoking uh, base excess plans that they had in place or were putting in place base excess plans that they hadn't had before to try and slow milk production down. Um, with strong disincentives for um, excessive production. And plants that would buy milk directly from producers, direct shippers, um, were just simply being told or asked, cut back you know, from 5% to 10%, maybe even more for some plants, because we can't handle all of the uh, milk right now. I think the industry did a great job in reorganizing and finding a home for most of that milk and dairy product, but uh, we did have some dumping going on. And those spot cheddar prices that had been about $1.90 a pound in mid-April had plunged to $1 a pound, $1 a pound. We hadn't seen $1 a pound cheddar cheese since November of 2000. So that just tells you how low those price opinions had gone. And at that point in time, we were getting a little bit panicked about things. <clears throat> but, you know, the industry had some opportunities. A good example was, uh, you know, our export competitors for products like cheese, you know, were selling their product at maybe $1.70, $1.80 a pound. So customers, export customers looking for product, looked at a dollar a pound and that was a bargain. That discount meant that we had some quick sales of export product. That picked some demand back up. 
We also had the government stepping in, um, uh, $2.2 trillion emergency spending bill uh, that identified some $16 billion for agriculture. One of the beneficiaries, of course, was dairy. And food box programs uh, bought quite a bit of dairy product. And in that first month they did, it was about $300 million worth of dairy product. Significant. And with that kind of uh, stimulus, uh, we began to see uh, cheese prices begin to rise again and, and fairly rapidly. We also had just ordinary buyers um, during this flush season of the year, you know, who are thinking about what their fall needs are going to be. And I think that demand estimates are all over the board. Even still, we don't know what fall demand is going to look like. But there was no reason for those buyers to rush in and try to get uh, their cheese supply because we had very adequate to heavy inventories of cheese that were showing up, plenty of milk available, and you know, you're going to wait, I guess, if you're going to buy product like that to secure it when you think the market's at its bottom. But with the export sales and with the uh, food assistance programs that were buying product and we saw cheese beginning to move up, I think that some of those buyers for fall needs also began to uh, think about, uh, well, it's time for me to get in here and buy or secure my product. So again, more demand stepped into the marketplace. And about that time, we found that in fact, the uh, uh, milk supply had been tightened up across much of the dairy economy. And not all cheese plants could get all the milk they wanted. And those cheese prices started to go crazy. Um, within two months period of time of being at a dollar a pound, they were now at a dollar eighty a pound, and we have never seen those prices. Even at the peak in 2014, we only hit a high cheese price of about two dollars and forty-five cents a pound. So, you know, this was a pretty crazy uh, time period for the dairy industry, and we're still at relatively high cheese prices. They've come down from two eighty. Uh, you know, but we're in there in the 260 range. And I suspect that that is going to be relatively short-lived. I don't know that for sure, but I think that this is such a high price that at this point in time, our overseas competitors for world markets will look at this and say, wait a minute, this isn't just the U.S. being non-competitive in export sales. We actually are going to look like a destination for cheese. Uh, we did, for example, buy quite a bit of butter last year when our butter prices were relatively high. And uh, so I think these cheese prices are going to be reeled in um, fairly quickly. But we'll have to watch and see. But that's put a lot of bounce in our opinions on uh, the uh, futures markets for class three and four milk prices. Our milk price, you know, just to give you an example for June milk, had been oh, between $17 and $18 for a long period of time. But as those cheese prices bottomed out, June prices got as low as $11 for class three. And today we're going to get the announcement here in a few hours time what the June class three and four milk prices actually will be. But June's going to close at about $21 right in that ballpark. And uh, class four prices are going to close somewhere around $13. So uh, we've had a big rise in prices. 
but we've also got a huge spread in prices, and that's also part of the story here. We have had time periods, particularly in federal orders, when we have negative PPDs, producer price differentials. Now, not all of our orders are priced on components and uh, producer price differentials, but the vast majority of milk in federal orders is priced that way, and seven of our 11 orders uh, use component, including California, um, use component and PPD prices. So the way that that works is that the component values of butterfat, protein, and other solids on your milk check are calculated based on class three values. So if you're looking for the butterfat value, it's actually calculated from a butter price, and we do that typically in class four, but that also gets used in class three, same value. Our protein values come from uh, the class three price calculations, and our other solids, which are primarily values for lactose, um, are also coming from the whey products in class three. Anytime they're rising very rapidly, um, we can find a time period when our PPDs will sometimes go negative. That's always been the case since we've been doing this. We pay out based on the class three values for components. And in most federal orders, there's usually some money left over after paying out the component value because we've had contributions from other classes that usually have a higher price like class one, two, um, sometimes class four. At any rate, those prices will generally be higher. And uh, when they're higher, that means that we've got some extra money left over and we simply distribute that to producers based on the hundred weights of milk that they shipped uh, and we, we divide that and that value becomes the PPD. If you ever wanted to look at the uh, price announcement, uniform price announcement in any federal order that has one, um, the PPD will exactly be equal to the uniform price announcement minus the class three price to the penny. It's always equal to that. That's just the way the market balances. And when we have prices that are rapidly rising, which is certainly defines the time period right now, we can sometimes get class one prices, which were going to be based on two weeks worth of prices uh, that were calculated the month before and our class three and four values that were going to be based on the full month's price of June, which takes place on or before the fifth of the following month of July. That happens to be today for the month of June. And it was on the 20th of May uh, for the uh, June class one price. If that price is lower uh, during that May time period, they may not be contributing as much as class three values are. And we can pay out more in class three component values than we've taken in under class one, for example. That gives us a negative PPD. So when producers are angered by seeing negative values on their milk check, under those circumstances, I would tell them I would celebrate a negative PPD every time we get it because it means your prices are going up rapidly. And that just will catch up in the next uh, month or two uh, paycheck. So um, this is not a bad thing, it's just an, an artifact.
even though it may look uh, a, a little bit hard to hard to take as you look at today's milk check. That's true, but you know, here's here's the flip side of that uh, rapidly changing price story. When prices are rapidly declining, um, we will find that the PPDs get bigger than normal, uh, simply because you know the class one prices are holding up there longer than the class three prices are falling. So, you know, you have to balance those two things out. That's just an accounting artifact of the way we price milk. That kind of all comes out in the end. But as I said, if it's a negative PPD because prices are rising rapidly, celebrate it because they are rapidly rising prices. <laughs> so not a bad thing. Thank, thank you for that insight. That's not something that we'd seen in recent headlines. Well, um, and that's part of the story, you know, because as I said, our class three prices of opinions for June have gone from a low of $11 to this high of $21 um, in two months time. That's a huge price increase. So that's part of the story. Uh, but we have another part of the story that we have to kind of look at last year when Farm Bill was implemented. There was a piece of the legislation in the Farm Bill for Dairy that wasn't just changes to the uh, MPP program that made it renamed the DMC program. There was also a paragraph in there that said, and we're going to change from calculating the class one price as the higher of class three or class four, which is what we've done since 2000, um, to being the average of class three and class four plus 74 cents. That was kind of a historic difference between those two prices. And I think the rationale for that was that it would make calculating basis easier to do. So if we could calculate our basis better, we could get better risk protection. But you know, normally we go through a federal order hearing process to make these kind of changes. And you would have had a lot of people that would have been saying, yeah, that's a good idea, we should do it. And you'd have had a few others that might have been looking at it and saying, I'm not so sure. We could get into a circumstance where that's not a great idea. One of the reasons why it may not be a great idea is another thing that's happening right now. And that is when we get the big spread between class three and class four. If class four is a good deal lower uh, as it is right now, that can also give us a negative PPD because we pay out too much in class three and there simply is uh, a big draw on those funds, you know, for class four plants and in equalization payments and we end up with a negative PPD. So we've got two things happening right now to us, rapidly rising price and a historically large spread between those two things. And we are forecasting that those PPDs are going to be massively negative in most federal orders um, this month. That's something that producers are going to have to watch out for in their milk checks. Cantus comes to the market in 2020 with a new vision for animals, farmers, and food production. Our world-changing technology combines computer vision and artificial intelligence to watch over your business 24-7, alerting you when it matters most. We help you make data-driven decisions to improve your dairy operation and animal health 
positively impacting productivity and profitability. Cantus is keeping an eye on your farm and an eye on your future. To learn more about us, log on to Cantus.com today. And we're back. We appreciate that that insight, and uh, I particularly find it helpful that uh, there is some reason to uh, celebrate, if you use that term, a negative PPD. It means prices are moving in the right direction, as you've just explained. Yeah, you know, Joel, there's there's still one more piece of the story though that I want to try to relate, if I could. Sure. And that is that um, in a federal milk marketing order class one plants must be pooled. So if we've voted a federal order in, federal orders are all about class one fluid milk plants, um, then those plants are generally going to have to pay a higher milk price, not in every month, but most months. They cannot say anything about whether they're regulated by a federal order or not. All of the rest of the plants, the manufacturing plants, classes two, three, and four, can be in a federal milk marketing order, but they aren't compelled to be. They are only in there because there is a benefit to them for being there. The benefit is that uh, we pay out this blended price to dairy farmers, this weighted average price that we call blend price or uniform price. And the manufacturing class plants are generally getting to take a draw from that pool Um, for the difference between their class price and the blend price to be able to pay their dairy farmers the blend price. So it's essentially a transfer of funds, usually from class one to the other classes. But in the case of a negative PPD like this, you would see that uh, a class four plant would actually have to contribute money to the pool instead of take it out. And that would mean that the class one plant might get to take a draw from the pool, or certainly the class four plant would. You know, class three plants might look at that and say, I don't want to be in the pool now. In most of our federal orders, there are provisions that allow them to be able to get out of or into the pool with some degree of ease. They have to make that calculation ahead of time. They can't look backwards and say, oh, take me out because I would have to pay money. Um, they're having to make the estimation ahead of time that they would have to pay money to get out of the pool. But if they do that, if they take that out, then the uniform price actually declines a little bit more as well. And, uh, you know, that can cause some additional problems of an even bigger negative PPD than you would have gotten. You're out in California, so I'll just give you an example of that particular state. If we're looking at the June prices, and I suspect, as I said, they're going to come in at about $21. If all the milk was pooled in the order, then I'm going to just give a rough estimate that you've got something like a $15.70 uniform price. But that would be a $21 class three price, which means about a negative $5.30 PPD. If those cheese plants look at that and say, I'm not giving up $5.30 to the other plants in the order, I'm going to depool my milk, the uniform price now goes from that $13.70 to about, or $15.70 to about $13. 
So depooling all the class three milk can certainly lower the uniform price and it makes the PPD calculation even more negative, um, maybe almost as much as $8. So we have to watch and see what uh, this depooling actually does to producer milk checks. I think you've, uh, at least for my money, and i am uh, been in the dairy industry a long time, but all of these discussions can be challenging for me to follow. I think you've done a very fine job of helping us understand this. Uh, if folks want to access your paper or even reach out to you with questions, uh, what's the best way to do that? Well, I would say the uh, quick and easy way is to go to the website. It's all one word, dairymarkets.org. And right on the front page of that screen, there'll be a link near the bottom for this publication. The publication's title on there is uh, Making Sense of Your Milk Price in the Pandemic Economy. And it talks about the negative PPDs, depooling, and reblending. So that's the easy way to get there. If you want to get a hold of me from the website, you can find uh, my email address there. And I would be certainly happy if people want to uh, send a question or something. We uh, thank you very much for taking time to be with us today on this very important and, and timely topic. We want to thank Dr. Mark Stevenson of the University of Wisconsin-Madison for joining us. I'm your host, Joel Hastings, for DairyBusiness.com and Dairy Voice Podcast. <laughs>